Lucy. Hey, how's it going, Ari? <laughs> it's going well. I'm so excited that we're finally getting a chance to have this episode of Startup Life Uncensored together. I know, me too. I've been really looking forward to it. Me too. So just to give our viewers some context about how we met, it's funny, I feel like I've met almost everyone I've been doing these episodes with through networking. Um, and introductions and people are like, you just need to know each other and we have so much in common. So I am so glad that we were put in touch. It's like all of a sudden I feel like I have all these new friends and contacts and wish I had started this earlier. Well, I'm not only excited to have met you and become friends, but I'm really excited to specifically talk to you about this topic about determining whether management is right for you or not. You have a ton of experience in this area, as do I, and as we've learned, management is not for everyone. Yeah. So I'm excited to have you here and be able to talk about some of your experience experience, your advice, and stories that you want to share with other people who might be grappling with a similar vision. So to kick things off, I was hoping you could just share a little bit about your background and your professional journey. Yeah, no, I'd love to. So I definitely, you know, my journey kind of starts back in uh, the entertainment industry and it's been all over the place, which has been great. You know, I've learned a lot, but I, I started out really at one of the world's like top talent agencies working in recruitment, kind of at that assistant level, and then went on to work in the music industry for a couple years and coordinator levels. So in film music, touring, music licensing. So kind of got to try out all of the different facets of that industry, which I really loved and enjoyed and learned so much, but more of a corporate structure. And so in terms of like growth and things that opportunity that were available to that traditional kind of, you know, those studios or businesses, how they're structured, um, it really wasn't there. It's like, you know, unless you go to like law school or do about, you know, five years as an assistant, you know, just a much longer growth period. So from there, you know, I really started to kind of dig into other companies and kind of smaller companies. So like more startup culture, something that I can grow and, and see different parts of the company that I was working for. And so eventually one of the groups of people that we did music licensing with were all the various MCNs, so multi-channel networks that hosted digital talent. So I jumped to one of those and really that was kind of my first startup culture, although that company was growing at the time because they were acquired by a big studio. But it really was my first time getting to dive into more of an individual contributor role where I was able to explore different parts of the company and I was encouraged to go and like join meetings and ask questions and, and learn everything I could about, you know, the different avenues of growth within the company. So I, I did that probably for about five years and it eventually led me to the tech startups that I am with now. So, you know, more of like under 20 people, like real startup, like, Everyone wears multiple hats. And so now I, I really, in the last couple of years, have really experienced what it's like to be able to contribute in, in different ways and, and grow, you know, not only in my position, but grow my skills and, and really figure out what different areas in which I can contribute to the company. Awesome. It's so funny. I find that most people join startups for that exact same reason. I want growth. And let's just throw it out there. Part of me thinks a little bit of it is our generation, because not only do we want growth, but we want growth quickly. And yeah. 
those larger companies, that's just not an option. I just remember complaining to my fiance at the time. I was definitely doing assistant-like duties and it just felt very like the same type of tasks. And while I had learned a lot, I felt like I just reached my ceiling. And you know, I was confident and killing it in that position, but I was so ready for more. So he was working for a smaller company and really encouraged me to start looking at that. And that's really what I needed, something smaller and a company that was gonna encourage you to get involved in more. I yeah. love it. So it sounds like those are the reasons that you were drawn to that first startup. Totally. So, you know, as we talk about roles like an individual contributor versus a managerial role, you know, a lot of times at companies, it's really important that you have your own unique voice, especially mm -hmm. at smaller startups where every single hire is super crucial and plays a huge part in the company in general. So mm -hmm. how would you say you found your voice as an individual contributor to be different than when you were in a managerial role? Yeah, so I'd say when I became a manager, it definitely felt like the natural next step. I had been working in that industry for about five years. And when I found my first startup that kind of aligned with what I was doing within like, you know, digital media and branded campaigns, I, it just felt like the natural next step for growth, you know? So I was like, great. And it was certainly needed at the time within my company to have a voice to represent our small team for the broader company and decisions that were being made. However, I realized that, you know, now with my current company that you can have that in an individual contributor role as well. You don't necessarily need to be a manager to use your voice to speak up and be a leader in terms of being a voice for your team. But that's something that I think also helps to know that it is better to speak up and possibly be wrong and corrected with a better idea than to not speak up at all. Doing that has helped me grow into now one of probably my most proud positions. You know, I'm now a key stakeholder on our product team because I've learned through finding my voice that you just can't be afraid to speak up. 100%. I love that you said that. I'm sure you've had this experience I like want to throw up just thinking about it but those experiences <laughs> where you're like I have an idea but it might be dumb and I'm not going to say anything and then somebody else says it and you're like oh I should have said something yep or I've been saying that in a different way, right? And so that's another thing that I was actually just talking about with a friend recently of like working sometimes in male-dominated industries, finding your voice just as a female as well, or, you know, not being in this manager role and feeling like, oh, they're not going to hear me out if I'm not in this respected role. And really, sometimes it just takes phrasing things differently, approaching it differently, approaching it with data, realizing, okay, they might not have heard me and understood me this time. That doesn't mean my voice and what I'm saying isn't valuable. That means I I need to approach it differently. So maybe I come with a different solution with better data to prove my point with different case studies or use case examples for what I'm trying to share. Really, that's a part of leadership is getting people to understand and align with your vision. And that takes a lot of skills and dusting yourself off and trying again and not getting discouraged. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned something so interesting around the idea of leadership, not necessarily having to be in a managerial role. I know that in my managerial positions, the people who I was more eager to promote were the people who were already stepping up as leaders before they had like the title. You can't wait until you get a promotion or get a job to start executing on the energy around that job. I feel like it's something you got to start a little earlier. Yes, exactly. From the moment that you start a job, I mean, start looking at not only, you know, is it one thing to adopt to, okay, how are things traditionally done, right? But from that point, you are a set of new eyes and new ideas. Understanding that you are bringing value from the start by just being a an outsider looking in 
you don't have to say, okay, this is how it's done and we'll continue to do it this way. No, I'm, I'm bringing my experience and my fresh idea and my questions and concerns to the table from the start because they've all been doing this a certain way and thinking this is the way, but you might see something differently. And so I, especially the company I'm with now, I think really encourage that from the start. And that's really great quality of a manager as well is urging your team to, hey, from the minute you start, take notes of holes that you're finding and in areas in which we can improve or a way that you might approach something differently. I mean, you should only be hiring smarter people that can help make your business better. So that's one of the things that I think if you encourage people from the start to poke holes and ask the right questions and find areas to help improve the business, then you've hired. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And I think a lot of people forget there's a reason why this company hired you, like you and your uniqueness and your specific perspective. And so to really hone in on that and use it is super important. I will also say I have definitely caught myself walking into a company and too soon making recommendations. Sorry. So while it is super important to speak up and share your ideas and share your opinions, my one caveat to that would be maybe wait until you've been at a company for like at least a month and like really understood and soaked up their thought process before you start making those recommendations. Ultimately had to learn that the hard way. Yeah, no, it's true. But you know, it's, it's okay to take notes in that first month and definitely because you're learning, right? So of course you might be you might not necessarily want to say this needs to change in your first week, but maybe that's a note that you figure out. It's for yourself to figure out in the next few months. And if you don't, then that's still a note that remains unsolved, right? So how do we go back and, and answer this for people that we're selling to or any new people that we're onboarding into the company so that those types of questions that you have get clarified over time? So it is so clear, we both know Going from an individual contributor to a managerial role, your communication changes a little bit. I'd love to hear a little bit about how your working relationships and communication changed when you did make that transition. So I started at the company as more of an individual contributor and was promoted later on to a manager. So it definitely took some time. I wasn't you know, hired as a manager, so I'd say there was definitely a an adjustment there in terms of that communication and those relationships. But luckily from the start, my experience in the industry prior to joining that startup, I sort of came in as a natural leader. So even before the promotion, I had always tried to help really guide people with, you know, my own experiences and best practices that I had learned. So that part didn't change. You know, I always would just help offer advice or answer questions. But, you know, I went from kind of being like people's friends and colleagues to someone that really had to manage them and their workload you know, keep an eye on their performance. It became a part of my job to worry about how they were doing every day. Uh, I might find areas of improvement that I didn't necessarily notice as their friend and colleague that now it is my job to make sure that they are improving on those things or following through with certain tasks. So that's a whole new job within a job. And I almost feel like at that point, I was kind of not switching teams, I want to say, but like you go from being like helping them to really having to help them on a deeper level of like, you've got to hit your goals as well as I've got to hit my goals. So I just learned that in startups, especially, it's very important to weigh that out and going from individual to uh, manager roles is knowing if that is something that you want to do. And as well as being able to really communicate from the top down the important priorities of the company and align with those, right? Because if you can align with the direction that the company is headed, then it's going to be really hard to take on a management role 
and communicate those to your team. You know, if you're not 100% confident in those things yourself. So I think there's so much to consider is not only what you're responsible for as a manager, but really where the company's headed. And can you as a manager really align with the goals and where the company's headed? And if not, have a voice within that team. Absolutely. And I know from experience, just like you, it is so hard to make that transition, not only just for yourself with all the learning curves and responsibilities, but to go from friend to boss is insane. I've seen it done really well. I've seen it done awfully. And I know that for people that I've managed who are interested, it's like, I almost have to have a little bit of like a disclaimer conversation. Like just so you're aware when you go out drinking with your friend who you happen to manage, like you might want to second guess if you're going to post all those photos online. And then someone might say that you're favoring those people and adds a whole extra layer of complexity. And it's true, not only in the office, but especially with social media outside of the office, it's like, there are so many eyes on you and everything and people talk. So it's really important to think about, is that a new change that you're willing to make? I mean, it impacts you in so many different areas. And it's funny when you were saying like, just the transition itself, the metaphor I always think of, I'm like, you're going from being a camper to a camp counselor. You're still yeah. in camp, but my God, your experience is going to be completely different. Totally different. Totally yeah. different. And like I said, like, I think for me, it's like, I felt like I was switching teams in a way. Like you said, you're a camper to camp counselor because there'd be days where I could roll my eyes with my colleagues and be like, I get what your frustrations are. Right. But whereas the next day it was my responsibility to take care of that frustration or help them through that in a more productive way. Right. So it's like, they become a whole new set of responsibilities for you. And I love what you said about making sure that as a manager, when you're ready to take that leap, that you align with what the company is doing, because especially if you were friends with those people or really close with those people, people can smell bullshit. If you're like one day rolling your eyes and then the next day you're like, I agree with what the company is doing. It's like, mm, people are going to know that you're not on board. So I think right. it's important to maintain that not only reputation, but to maintain what the company is saying in an authentic way. I've had to say to team members before, I'm not a huge fan of this policy. This is the direction we're going in. Hopefully it will get better. In the meantime, let's work as a team to make this the best we possibly can. Totally been there too, where it's like, hey guys, let's do our best. And whether we know that this is a bad decision or not, like let's see it through. And then let's come again back with data to prove if it's not right. Like, hey, we tried this. It didn't work. Here's why. Here's what we as a team recommend. Like you're as a manager, and a good manager, you're representing a team within a larger team. Collaboration in that effort to go to bat with better solutions. So obviously we've talked a lot about the little transitions that happen, the challenges. What would you say is the thing that you learned most about yourself from going from that individual contributor role to manager role? I think just that there comes a point where you really won't enjoy working somewhere unless you can see value in the team and where it's headed. Otherwise, you're just, you reach a point where you're not as motivated. So like I said previously, just making sure that you can align with the overall vision as a manager, but more importantly though, that growth doesn't equal management. 
growth means that you're always learning and challenging yourself, challenging your way of thinking and creating new goals for yourself. And I think in the startups, especially that can happen weekly, right? Like I, I, even with the company I am now, there's new opportunities weekly for me to step up and take on a new project or something. And so I'm really empowered to grow and I feel valued for that every day for what I can contribute. And so I think like that is what clicked for me is, hey, you know, you've always been a natural born leader. Management doesn't necessarily equal the next step when it doesn't have to be. There's other ways to grow. It's so funny. It's something I bring up anytime I would be interviewing somebody. I would always say, what are your career aspirations? And everyone says, because I think they think they have to, oh, well, eventually I want to be a leader and, you know, be a manager and blah, blah, blah. And then usually I ask them later, okay, so if money wasn't on the table, if this had nothing to do with your compensation and you had the option of managing a team of people where you are responsible for their output and their numbers or being a really strong, high up senior individual contributor, which one would you prefer? And I would honestly say like 60 or 70% of the time people would say, oh, individual contributor. Because <laughs> there's this misconception that the only way to move up at a company is to become a manager. And right. I'm sure you've seen this too. Companies make this mistake all the time. I talk about this all the time. They'll take someone, for example, who's a really strong sales rep and say, you're the best on the team. Congrats. You're being promoted to sales manager. Right. Those are two completely different skill sets. And it's something that I think it's always worth trying. Looking back, I would not say I'm, I'm glad I took the opportunity, but it's something that you definitely need to be, uh, be prepared and, and do research and understand, you know, the team dynamic in advance before taking that on. And I think that that's something that luckily for me, my first like try at, at management, it was a very small team, you know, and I loved working with that team, understanding the full capacity of what the, those expectations are, right? From from your, your higher ups, you know, what are they expecting from you on a weekly, monthly basis in terms of reporting on your staff? How are you going to manage that with your role? How do the responsibilities of your current role change? Really laying that out and understanding if that's ideal for you. Some people thrive in that and that's great, but I think that that's something that people, they don't think about until you ask. <laughs> Yep, absolutely. I know for me, when I was an individual contributor and I was the most tenured person on the team and my numbers were the highest, I remember thinking, oh God, I would never want to be a manager because if my name is on it and I'm doing it, it's going to be flawless. And I don't want to be responsible for other people slacking off. And I remember thinking when I was approached to see if I wanted to step up and be in a manager position, originally I was like, I don't know. I don't want to be responsible for other people's mess ups. That's right. not my fault. Right. And then once I got a taste of it after lots of learning and mistakes, I was like, oh my God, I love this. Why didn't I do this sooner? But it also takes a certain kind of person, not better or worse, it's just a different type of person. And, and I think, again, a lot of people think I have to do that. That's what's next for me. So obviously you've been in a manager position. I've been in a manager position. We've all had really crappy managers. Hopefully we've had some good managers. What are some of the qualities that you think are necessary for a good manager and the best way as a manager to empower your team? I think really, I mean, I've been really fortunate to have some really great managers and mentors. And I think of the best managers, I think it's someone who can really, for one, go to bat for their team and be a, an advocate for what their team's needs or concerns are. They'll be able to articulate to the, their bosses like an executive team what 
their team really is experiencing on a daily basis. I think it's someone who hires smart and, and looks for people who have different strengths, looking at, okay, what areas in which we can, the, these strengths can help pick up areas that we might be lacking. And as we come together, we're all able to contribute in different ways. Definitely the ability to trust your employees and, and empower them to try things and fail and try again. That's how you're going to discover new ways of doing things. And that means really letting go of the micromanaging type habits and, ex and, and expecting things to be done a certain way. And really, again, just empowering people to your employees to challenge the, that status quo and come up with something different. Because to me, that's what I've seen is when like the magic happens. Yeah, absolutely. I love, love, love. There are like 400 things you said in there that I'm like, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, I think it's important what you said about the idea of hiring people who bring different strengths. Yes, you want them to check off all the qualifications and have the skills needed to succeed in that role, but what's the extra like bonus nugget that we don't necessarily know we need until we person who has it? I know I've asked direct reports in the past, you know, what's a skill of yours that's being underutilized? And I was blown away. I was like, why didn't you tell me you have this skill that we could have been using? Hell yeah. Like let's start doing, let's start doing the things that you haven't been doing if you're interested. And on yeah. the other side too, I think it's important to have the conversations with your direct reports to know what their career trajectory is. Like what are they interested in? Are they interested in management? Are they not? And giving them those opportunities to kind of flex that muscle. Kind of so what I was saying before is a lot of companies make this mistake of immediately promoting the top person without giving them any mentorship or training around how to be a good manager. And for me, that is the thing that I get most excited about. The idea of helping new managers figure out how the hell to manage a team and really coach them and work on those skills. And I think a lot of companies are lacking in that training process. And I actually think that one of the easiest, freest things to do is have some sort of mentorship program. I know that you mentioned mentorship. I'm curious if you've had mentors yourself and were they just self-selected or was there some sort of like process or program around that? You know, I think they've just naturally, I've been really blessed to just work for some or with some throughout my career. I think one of the more corporate companies definitely had something in place where it wasn't necessarily a mentorship program, but it was like a coffee kind of like casual, encourage you to go grab coffee with someone outside of your department, which I loved because again, in a more corporate environment where it wasn't necessarily encouraged to go and like join other meetings <laughs> for that kind of program to be in place it was like okay well we could use this time to at least meet new people and explore other areas of the business and find potential mentors but I'd say for mine like really since I started my first job in Hollywood I worked for two amazing women that have always throughout my career been there for me and helped guide me answer questions check my resume always someone to provide helpful feedback and then just work with a couple great mostly females that are still like my mentors today but even my current like CEO has been someone that I've worked with at past companies where on a separate non-work related basis he knows about personal life things and is just there for us and has really made it clear that cares about us beyond just the work stuff. So I've been really fortunate to just naturally work with people that have become my mentors over time. Yeah. And I think it's so cool that your company set up those opportunities, like even as casual as just grab coffee with someone. I know yeah. um, at both the startups I've worked at, I've been part of these programs where it was kind of like a coffee chat, but yeah. the company would set up a rotation to randomly pair people. It kind of felt like dating, but less awkward. Yeah. It, it made such a difference. It's like, hey, we know you're going to take a 15 minute break anyways. 
might as well go get some coffee and meet someone new. And it was a game changer, which also proves why company culture is so, so, so important. And I mean, just investing in your team members, again, it doesn't have to cost anything, but creating that culture and bridging the gap between different departments and different personalities, that's how people get excited and learn more about the company and what other opportunities there are. Actually, now that you mention it, we, at one of my first real, like, small startups <laughs> working in a shack, basically, um, we had what we called, like, a donut. You know, again, helped you get out of the office, connect with people on a deeper level. I think that's so crucial to have some type of program with that. Like, even with my current company, we randomly do, like, trivia Thursdays, and we all just get together and play, like some type of trivia or game, even remote, you know, there's, we're finding so many ways to just like play with each other. Yeah. So, you know, different ways that just help you connect on a deeper level. Got it. I love, love, love that. I totally could not agree more. So, okay. So here's the million dollar question. How do people know if management is for them? How, you know, why would they maybe not choose to go down the route of management? I think, look, learning again, that management is not the same thing as leadership. So first of all, recognizing that management doesn't have to be your next step, but really learning about what management, a management role looks like and what that entails and whether that the ideal day to day or type of role that you want to own. But really leadership, again, is about getting others to really understand and and believe in your vision and for you to be able to communicate things that help guide your company to success. So I think in a way, leadership skills in general will teach you how to just keep building your tool belt of learning what works and what doesn't work and what can I do as a leader to really communicate these these things to my company. There's always a way to be a leader and an individual contributor role and take ownership of something at a company. I think people think, yeah, but ideally, even when you become a leader in that role, you want people to be under you. But it's like, understand that comes with managing people. It's beyond just them helping with a role or something that you've It is not always so sexy. Yeah. And let's be real. There's a handful of really incredible parts of being a manager. I know for me, I was addicted to watching my team members succeed and watching them impress themselves and gain confidence. For me, like it really was like a drug. I was addicted to it. I was like, I want more. How can I help them succeed? So I feel that sense of pride and joy. Absolutely. Firing someone having to put someone on a performance improvement plan, get a phone call at two o'clock in the morning from an employee who's dealing with some personal stuff. There's a lot of stuff that's not necessarily fun. And I think it's important for people to figure out, is it worth it? Do Do the pros outweigh the cons? For me, it did. But I know some people who love the idea of being a leader, being a manager, but they hate the idea of giving performance reviews. And it's like, maybe maybe that means that you should do exactly what you had mentioned, Lacey, where maybe they should find opportunities to flex those leadership muscles without necessarily being in a managerial role. Yeah. And you nailed it. I mean, just with like, there's a lot of upsides to management stuff that I think you could practice even as a leader where I find myself working with like some of our interns or just younger people in the industry who have questions and need that guidance. I started out in recruitment. Like I love seeing people grow and find roles that they are perfect fit for or like companies even that are great for them. I'm still, I always joke around that I'm still like a recruiter on the side because I'll see a 
job opening and someone that I just know is a good fit and make that connection. It's just, I love that, you know, so there's definitely ways in which you could enjoy those perks without having to be a manager in your day-to-day role. And I think that that also adds to being a good leader. One more thing I'd add, I was thinking when searching for these jobs, I think it is important, and you touched on this briefly earlier, but to ask about the growth opportunities or trajectory of a certain role, right? So even if you're starting out in an individual contributor role, know what that flexibility is in terms of growth there, just straight up in your interview process. Like I think companies want to know that you're in it for the long haul and to see that you're thinking about your future is ambitious. Like what can this turn into in terms of growth and what's the flexibility there? Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So obviously you have a unique and important career path and story that you've gone on because you got a taste of management and made the conscious decision that you know what, I don't know if it's for me. So how did you specifically determine what was the right career path for yourself? So I don't think I ever really quite knew what career path was right for me in all honesty. Like it took me a while to figure that out. I think I just knew that every step of the way I was going to go with my gut and take risks and opportunities that felt right. As I mentioned earlier, I know sometimes it wasn't always the right decision, right? But I, I always learned from those mistakes or or necessarily things that weren't necessarily a good fit. I, I learned so much. And I always tell people like, you can't be afraid to make the wrong decision or mistakes, you know, because if you're willing to take something away from that decision or, you know, a position that maybe you thought was great, but ended up being something different, you're only going to come out stronger. And in the couple times that I might've found myself in a position where I was like, okay, this isn't long-term growth or whatever. I, I always took something away from that. And so I'd say after every job I've had, I added not only more skills to my tool belt that I could use in the future and my next job, but I learned more about what I did and didn't want in a company or a role. Just over time, you end up learning more about yourself, becoming more confident and being more sure about what you can really take on. Absolutely. And I love that you said that because I think a lot of people put so much pressure on themselves that the next decision has to be the right decision. And I try to take on the perspective of the next decision is going to be the right decision, even if it's not the long-term one, because eventually it's going to get you to what is ultimately going to be the best situation or decision for you. Absolutely. It's a big decision to move into a new job, for example, but to know that, and this has always been kind of my reminder of myself, like you're never stuck. At the end of the day, you can take what you can get from a job and bring everything you can to that job, but there's growth. You took that job for a reason. It might be a step in in your career that was meant to happen for, I'm, I'm very much like everything happens for a reason so yeah there was a reason you took that job what can you take from that and learn from that and take into your next role and your next step and I totally agree I know be perfectly vulnerable there was a role I took a while ago and I thought it was the perfect role for me it was definitely outside of my comfort zone and I was feeling all high and mighty and like a badass and thought I could handle it and quickly learned oh my god I'm miserable not only do I feel like I'm drowning, but I don't even know if I want to learn how to swim in this pool. This is not what I thought it was. And I remember just going down the rabbit hole of, oh my God, I failed. And that feeling of being stuck and learning after way too long that I don't owe this job or this company anything. I can make the decision to leave or there was another role I was in, different role. I was in a role for two weeks and I 
hated this job and I had had like my first panic attack there and I decided to quit. And right before I quit, I became friends with a girl who ended up introducing me to a childhood friend who worked at a startup who hired me eventually. And that was the first startup I was at for six years. If I didn't go to that awful two week job, none of that would have ever happened. Totally. I agree. I think there are so many, like looking back at all of my like Ugh, moments. It's like there was something good that came out of it. I either met someone amazing or it put me in the right place at the right time, or you just learn how to deal with those ugh moments and like get past it, right? Like I remember dealing with a lot of craziness in the entertainment industry in terms of just personalities and then getting into a startup that had some younger employees that had never dealt with that type of stuff before. And it's like you kind of just learn not to take that stuff personal. I was glad I had kind of been through what I call like the boot camp camp of like the the industry where it made me tougher and stronger and so things that like when I first started out might have been seen crazy but it's like eventually you just you get tough. And let's be real, like people don't learn and grow the most from the easiest, most pleasant experiences. Like whether you're an account manager dealing with a really tough client or you're a manager who is, you know, managing someone who's really difficult. I think I've learned so much more from managing challenging people than I have from like the easy breezy angels out there. And I also found that when I was an account manager, the calls um, that I would find most successful and most rewarding were not the easy ones. It was the challenging ones where by the end of the call, we're best buddies, but oh my God, I thought I was going to start crying when we first started talking. So those are the moments where it's like, as ick as you put it, as icky as they are, those are the growth moments. So Rose and Thorn, you've been through a lot. What would you say is one of the highlights and best parts of your career path so far? And on the flip side, what is one of the yuckiest? So funny, you just kind of nailed it with the stepping outside, what I like to call stepping outside your comfort zone, really putting yourself into those situations and then realizing, okay, I can thrive. And so looking back at my career, there's been so many highlights, but when I think of all of them, really they all involve something where I had to step outside my comfort zone. So whether that meant learning something new, taking on something and starting it from scratch because I realized, okay, the company doesn't have this. So this seems messy, but then, you know, I produce something that's boom, I'm super proud of or literally jumping into the fire. So, you know, one meeting that stands out to me is I've always said, and um, one of my mentors laughs because I always say like, oh, I'm not a seller, but like there's been multiple sales type pitch meetings that I've had to jump into where it just naturally it's become a skill of mine. And working in the entertainment industry, I was surrounded with a lot of talent for a while. So there was one meeting at one of my first startups where I had to pitch to a pretty big celebrity who wanted to talk digital strategies. And I took that meeting and handled it with just complete poise. And so I was so proud of myself, especially because not only did the meeting go well, but one of the directors actually came up to me and was like, did you know him? The celebrity? I was like, no. And he was like, oh, you were so calm in there. I'm like, and I kind of did a little, because <laughs> it's just like, again, I wasn't, it wasn't at all part of my role, but 
it was something that I was just kind of thrown into and I just took my experience and kind of just reminded myself like of all the reasons I have to be confident and there's a reason I was chosen for this meeting right and I delivered and so but again so many different moments of kind of stepping outside my comfort zone are probably my most proudest and then in terms of the worst again like I mentioned I'm more of an optimist like I look at all those experiences as learning experiences but I would say the biggest learning experience I had with one of the more icky experiences was that I think I took a job too soon based off of pure excitement right and it was young in my career but I was like oh my gosh dream job one interview let's go I take I take it right and being someone that has worked in recruitment my my whole life really and and especially now when I tell younger people is do your research find out about the job the team interview with more than one person really do do take your time you know and so that was like that job ended up being kind of like what you said earlier one of those jobs where you thought it was going to be this and you show up one day and you're like this is not, not only is the team not prepared for me to start today, but like, it's just not the job I thought. And, and so every day kind of, I was like, okay, what is this? But that was a huge learning experience for me. And since then, I really am do my due diligence in terms of my research, interviewing the job, not only being interviewed, but interviewing the company. I always tell people when they're searching for a job to make sure it's the right fit for you. Yes. I love that you said that. You just validated, I think, everything I've said with other people on every other episode of this interview are a two-way street. And I also love what you said about doing your research and also getting creative with the research. I mean, there are so many tools out there and I'm sorry, I'm not sponsoring necessarily, but LinkedIn is so great for creeping. I know somebody who anytime she's looking for a job, she first looks at the company she's interested and then filters to see who she knows, who knows somebody at the company and then asks to make an intro. So whether you're trying to get a job at a company and want to find you're in that way, or if you're already in talks with a company and want to see a different perspective or learn from more than one person who's interviewing you, there are so many ways to reach out and get in. So if you could do it all over again, when it comes to your career, would you have chosen the same path and experiences for yourself? And if not, what would you change? I wouldn't change anything. I mean, like I said, each job has taught me something. Even that icky one that kind of turned out to be something that I didn't think it was. I I learned so much and I met great people along the way for all of these jobs, you know? And so whether it was a job where I was under pressure 24 seven and just extreme like volume of work, I learned through that to be quick and efficient and super organized. Again, dealing with crazy personalities and not to take things personally. There's just so much in reflecting on my career that I I really am proud of every step that I've taken and where I am today. So I I don't think I would change a thing. And then I guess last question when it comes to your current role and the conscious decisions you made to switch from one gear to another. And I also have to point out, I hate when people say, oh, going from management back to individual contributor. It's not necessarily a step back. I almost think of it as like a sideways step or in certain situations, a step forward. But with that conscious decision of going back, what would you say made it the right decision for you? For me personally, doing it with a company where you agree with the vision, you are confident in who the team is and where they're headed. You see that they can also empower you to be a leader, right? And so again, I, I, I realized that I want to be a leader, 
wherever I go, but I might not want to manage people right away. And so how does that look? What does that growth look like? What kind of opportunities will I have here? And just knowing when I went back into that role with this company, you know, knowing that, okay, there are so many different ways in which they are already asking what kind of skill sets and things I could use, right? Beyond just the role, they're already identifying areas in which the company as a whole can use me. So boom, you know, if they're seeing that, that automatically gives me this in with being able to explore these things and these opportunities from the start. So not only learning the job, the tech, but also they invited that kind of that fresh eyes perspective from me and, and I felt valued from the start. So I think, and that includes doing research, talking with a lot of people at the, at the company before you start and making sure that you have those kinds of opportunities. There's no shame in, in asking. They're not asking you, you ask them. There's various different ways in which I, as a person, I think can offer value to this company. So in terms of growth, how open are you guys to me being involved with other teams and joining other meetings and getting a full idea of what is happening at this company? And I think that for the most part should be extremely valued by who your hiring manager is at that time. I think it's a great sign <laughs> in, in the hiring. I was also going to say, I mean, it sounds like going back into that individual contributor role, you got more flexibility and opportunities to be creative that you maybe wouldn't have gotten in a manager role. And yeah. I also think that something that people need to think about is what's going on outside of work and right. you know what type of priorities may be shifting. For example, I know somebody who was in a managerial role and then had a baby and decided I still want to be working, but I don't want that much responsibility. I want to put my child first. So she went back into an individual contributor role and couldn't be happier. Yeah, that's another great example. Again, what is in your ideal day-to-day, -day, what does that entail? And I think like you said, when I was in the manager role, you're getting texts about different things at different times. And you think about like, okay, is that a piece that I really enjoy? What are the parts that I do enjoy that I can keep doing while in this individual contributor role? So I think if you have the ability to exercise those skills, then do it because it's all leadership skills that are going to help you and others on your team. So I mean, the text messages I've gotten with like <laughs> very detailed descriptions of like sicknesses and bodily things. It's like, at certain points, I'm like, we're crossing some sort of boundary here. Yeah. I know way too much. I'm very okay with it, but like, right. <laughs> are you sure I should be hearing these things? Yeah. Yes. You hear it all when you're in that role. Oh yeah. <laughs> Honestly, Lacey, this has been so great. I'm so excited that you were able to have this chat about a really important discussion that I don't think enough people are having these days. Yes, me too. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Thanks so much. All right. I...